You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. I'm Ash Bennington, joined today by Real Vision's own Weston Nakamura. Tony Greer is on vacation and will be back tomorrow. The top story today, the events in Ukraine. Russian troops have entered the Donetsk and Luhansk breakaway republic in the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine, bordering Russia. Today, in a news conference at the White House, U.S. President Joe Biden called the actions, quote, the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine and, quote, the flagrant violation of international law. Uh, the Biden administration has also announced sanctions on Russia and individuals, Russian, Russian banks and individuals, uh, and stated that Russia would pay, quote, a steeper price if the events uh, continued to unfold. Uh, Germany has declined to certify the Nord Stream 2 pipeline between Russia and Germany, effectively halting its implementation. Obviously, today is not surprisingly a risk-off day in U.S. equity markets. Let's run through some of the prices. Uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average, the biggest loser today of the major equity indices, uh, off one spot, 4.2%, nearly 1.5%, closing down at 33,596. S&P 500 off 1.01%, closing out the day at 4,304. NASDAQ also off 1.23%, nearly one and a quarter percent, uh, closing out the day at 13,800, excuse me, 13,381. Energy markets rallying today. WTI, West Texas Intermediate Crude trading right now at 92 spot 35. Brent uh, trading at 96 spot 36. Brent, of course, the international price uh, of oil, WTI, the price at Cushing, Oklahoma, the U.S. price for oil. Uh, Weston, obviously a risk-off day. I know that you're looking at these markets very closely. What do you think of this price action? Yeah, so... Um... This is a very good example of why you need to be um, very aware of cross-asset markets, regardless of if you are a single-asset trader or investor um, or what have you. I tweeted about this um, yesterday, but uh, you need to know essentially what is moving the markets because at this, you know, at this current moment, we have obviously the Russia-Ukraine headlines, and by headlines, I mean they're machine gunning out like every 16 seconds right at the same time you also have you know um questions about whether the fed is going to remain as hawkish um as right. uh has been consensus and you have you know a, a whole bunch of other you know any any number of things so um it's important to know what is moving what and what is not moving what so that you don't kind of just falsely trail off into a you know an irrelevant direction 
Yeah. Also, obviously, important to point out, uh, this is a very much a murky type of situation. The fog of war, uh, as the phrase goes, very much in effect here. There seemed to be some disagreement uh, earlier today about whether the Biden administration was officially calling this uh, an invasion. So obviously, the situation, very fluid, fog of war in effect, trying to piece these things together. Uh, Weston, what are you making of the things that we can see, which are the prints that we're getting on the screen right now in commodities? I mentioned WTI uh, and Brent at the top of the show. Also, nat gas up about 1%. This is NYMEX natural gas uh, uh, changing up 1% uh, on the day now at 448. Uh, that's dollars per mega BTU. Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, before we get into commodities, if I could just run through the like today's price action in particular, because um, I just sure. have a series of charts. So, uh, Brian, if you go to chart zero. Um, so, you know, yesterday, U.S. was closed, right? And um, that was a very interesting time to look at markets because you have this major risk off, um, global risk off uh, from Asia to Europe. You know, we're talking, you know, two, three percent down on indices and all that. And at the same time, you have the U.S. Um, uh, indices, uh, the, the futures markets and the treasury markets and the treasury futures markets just closed. So you have no like kind of um, you're feeling around in the darkest as, as far as U.S. assets are concerned, right? So um, if you want to get a gauge of what the kind of uh, general macro sentiment would be, you can look at things like the euro-ruble uh, cross rate, which is something that you and I had discussed uh, last time, to see if yeah. this is something that is um, moving in line with uh, like European equity markets, for example. Um, and if they are, you know that this is a, um, a risk-off move that can be attributed to uh, specifically the Russia and Ukraine headlines, uh, or you can match them up with like a, you know, December 2022 um, euro dollar futures contracts to see if it's related to that. To that. But um, today was very interesting because, so so this is kind of the, the first chart you're seeing right here is basically, you know, month to date. And you can see like the, the latter half of that chart really has been uh, a market that's been driven by these headlines coming out of uh, Ukraine and, and Russia. Question, let's explain uh, precisely what we're looking at here. So you have euro-ruble uh, inverse. So this is the flip rate, uh, basically the reciprocal rate, where you're seeing uh, that chart representing uh, euro strength, ruble weakness, uh, and S&P E-minis. These are the CME-traded E-mini S&P 500 futures, uh, showing uh, obviously a decrease uh, in the in the in the price of uh, the S&P 500. And those things obviously very tightly correlated on your chart. Right. And the reason I'm using the E-minis is because if I'm just using like SPX or SPY, that's only during nine, yeah. from 9.30 a.m. to, uh, you know, uh, Eastern to 4 p.m., right? But E-minis trade not round the clock, but they, you know, they trade throughout Asia, they trade throughout Europe. Um, and therefore, you can match it up better with FX, which is, you know, a 23-hour uh, uh, market. So, and then the euro uh, ruble, I just did it inverse because it's easier to see. And this is basically like, you know, if that white line's going down, that's a ruble getting weaker versus the euro and, and up is the opposite. So that's basically what's been kind of the trend over the last, you know, the last two weeks or so. Uh, the next chart, though, um, is this sort of intraday today. It's very interesting because you saw, you know, Asia, down, so Japan, Hong Kong down like, you know, 2% on the day. Um, Europe too uh, was was getting hit pretty um, 
uh, or uh, e-menus were getting hit pretty hard during the European session, and it right. looked like even uh, the you know the the S and P was going to open down potentially close to two percent, but it didn't. And the reason why is because if you go to the the next chart, you see that kind of V rally there, right in the middle. That is the DAX index, which I just use as a proxy for just kind of European equities. And you see that from cash da open. Yeah, DAX, for those who don't know, obviously, is the German uh, stock exchange. Yeah. And so European cash open, Europe got beaten up really bad over the last you know, few days. Um, again, Euro, uh, U.S. was closed uh, yesterday. And then, um, and then at, at European cash open, yeah, the, the indices opened down. But after ca at cash open, from cash open forward, so a pretty big rally, and um, that lifted, you know, risk assets globally um, into the U.S. session. And then when the DAX or when European indices closed, saw, you know, uh, E-minis fall off. Um, and all the while, you see the Euro-Ruble cross rate trading pretty much in tandem with that. So, um, I mean, I don't know specifically why that is. It's probably, it might be short covering or whatever it may be, but... Uh, the price action itself, you can tie that into, um, you know, Europe. So this is a very much a European-driven directional market at the moment. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Yeah, Weston, those correlations are very elegantly explained uh, and encapsulated. Uh, in those charts, obviously, as we said at the top of the show, uh, clearly fog of war type of situation, trying to figure out what's actually happening on the ground. Uh, but what we do here at Real Vision, obviously, unpack capital markets, understand what's happening. Uh, and those charts show us what we can see, uh, which are these correlations. Uh, Weston, when you look at these, how do you know uh, which direction the causal arrow is pointing? In other words, uh, where the causality is flowing from and to? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. How do I... The direction if you ask me, of the... how do I how do how do I know? I'm not going to know where where anything's going to go at any moment. But how do I make make my best guess? Is what you're saying, or how do you make your best guess, Weston, on the direction of these correlations, uh, and how do you interpret them? Um, I I cannot tell you even in the near term what the direction would be. Um, but the way that I can look at that is that basically if uh, I can identify that, let's say, the last two weeks of S&P downside and volatility has been due to the um, the headlines coming out of Russia um, and not at all due to any sort of uh, FOMC rate hike or not sort of, you know, adjustments and this and that. Then, and if I, you know, if I believe that the Fed is just unchanged throughout this whole time, um, then come March 15th or whenever the FOMC meeting is, um, if markets are still being priced strictly off of uh, Russia-Ukraine headlines um, and they have significantly deviated from where they should be relative to where the Fed is uh, in terms of their policy, uh, I can position myself so that 
com the FOMC meeting and the press conference and all that, and if markets kind of realign with the Fed, like, oh yes, I forgot this Fed thing called, you know, this whole Fed thing exists, uh, then you can kind of, you know, uh, benefit off of that divergence. Um, so those are ways that you can do it. But like how how it goes, like how the market goes from here, I I can't look at that and tell you. I can't look at anything and tell you that. But uh, if there is some sort of a discrepancy or, or unusual divergence in which markets are overly focused on one sort of one single factor, um, and there's another glaring factor like the FOMC, then uh, those are ways that you can sort of take advantage and, and kind of close up that arm. Weston, one of the things I admire most about you is how data-driven you are and uh, the epistemic humility you so clearly display uh, when you don't know the answer to a question. You're just looking at what's there. This is what the tape tells us, uh, and this is what we're showing our viewers. Talking of which, the tale of the tape, uh, what are you seeing in U.S. energy markets and global energy markets? Yeah, it's not just energy either. Um, so just commodities in general. Um, this is a chart I found uh, that's basically... Uh, I don't know how updated it is, but it's basically the number of commodities in simultaneous backwardation, and it's at a record high. Um, and so there's something like almost 20 commodities in backwardation like simultaneously, which is pretty insane. So let's um, talk a little bit about backwardation and contango. Uh, these are the curves uh, relative to uh, the spot versus the uh, future price uh, of an asset. Um, uh, in the futures market. This is an important point. Contango is when uh, the spot price is lower and the futures price is higher. So you see that rolling up. Backwardation is the opposite, spot being higher uh, than the futures price. Yeah, that's, and so normally, you know, typically with, with commodities, um, you know, you're you're not in backwardation, right? Um, the futures price would, would be higher than spot, but in this case, you're seeing spot prices that are above these like forward prices because it's you know it's it's people that are willing to pay a, a premium today for that underlying commodity. Um, that is you know uh, a sp like a spot price is not a financial instrument or anything like that 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 it's like that's the price of like what if you need heating oil today you're gonna pay whatever it is that it's you know the the market is quoting. Um, right. So that you know, or or corn or whatever it may be. So uh, that's why you know that's why it's, what's so interesting about that is that there is just there's so many commodities right now that are in simultaneous backwardation. There's just you know deficits across the board, um, and this is not some like financial alchemy or anything like that. This is real right. world demand for that um, reflecting that. Yeah. Um, and of course, business. futures are physically delivered, uh, which again, to your point about the real-world demand uh, implications of these markets. Right, right. So, so with regards to, um, let's just take crude oil for example. So, Brent uh, was in the ninety-nine handle today, almost hit a hundred. It's getting there. Um, now, you're getting all these like sell-side. You know, banks that are making these calls. Um, I think Goldman has a hundred five target on on WTI crude, um, and and you have like you know like JP Morgan, whoever saying like, if you get troops on the ground, then oil is one twenty. If this happens, SPX is that. Like I don't know how these strategists can distill like real world events into a specific price level for anything, not just for this stuff, right? Um, and uh, frankly, I. I more or less nonsense. But what I can tell you is that um, I can tell you how 
that uh, the price of crude can get to and through 100 or even 120 this year on a mechanical level via options markets. Um, and so that's something that I can, you know, go over right now. Yeah, what so does that it, scenario look like, Weston? Yeah, so regardless of what's happening in Ukraine, in anything like that, purely based on uh, the mechanics of how options markets, um, you know, how, how they work. So if you look at the, um, the crude oil options open interest table uh, from CME, you'll see that there are a ton of um, call options opened that are out of money currently at the 100 strike level. There's like a wall of, um, of uh, 100 strike calls on WTI crude uh, of open interest that are open. Um, particularly for the December 2022 expiry. So I kind of have these like these strike prices that are, um, you know, this, these red boxes. If you look at that, that first one, that's the 100 strike. The columns are like the expiries. And if you look at the, the rightmost one, you'll see like that 66,000, you know, sort of number, uh, 66,000 in contracts opened for uh, December 100 strike calls on, on WTI crude. Th that's, that's like, that's what, six, 60 million barrels worth of oil notional contract, uh, in that, notional in that one contract. It's like, that's like a half year of like OPEC output, like in that alone. So there's an insane amount of like 100 strike calls. There are also, it's cut off uh, here, but like there are also um, call options being opened on at not just 105, but on 110, on 120 and 125 uh, that are being opened as well. And so, again, regardless of what the actual headlines are, you know, are or whatever they may be, just mechanically, because of the fact that there are so, there's so much uh, options open interest, um, you get that same sort of uh, dealer gamma uh, hedging effect, where in which dealers, uh, the sell side banks that are taking the other side of the options position, so they are short call options. They have they have to by law they they have to uh, always have a what's called delta neutral book they have to have a uh, directionally flat book they can't take any directional position and so they constantly have to hedge and and so if they're short a call and they have downside exposure they have to buy futures uh, in order to remain delta neutral and that buying of the futures in and of itself that hedging activity pushes up that price and brings it into the money. And what, so you can see a scenario where crude just goes up to and through 100. And should it do that, it can easily get up to that 120 strike very quickly um, just because of this sort of gamma squeeze. It's, it's, it's sort of the, it's the same mechanics as GME, um, you know, from exactly like a year ago or so. Um, and this is a scenario that you can, is very possible. And so that's why I can say like, uh, I, you know, not based on headlines from this or that, but mechanically, these are specific levels that um, you need to watch, and you need to watch things like open interest and all that, and changes in open interest um, and positioning from the uh, the dealer side or the market maker side, and and how they're sort of you know the, what their activity is like. Yeah, obviously, this is a case of uh, where you have to watch the derivatives market to understand what's going on in spot, and very well explained there. We're going to take another quick break and be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing.
You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Uh, Weston, I wanted to take a look at a clip uh, here on Real Vision today. Uh, this is a clip. Uh, this is uh, Mike Green talking to Alex Gurevich about oil. It's very relevant to what you were just talking about. Uh, let's take a look at that. In uh, May of 2020, I put out a tweet as everyone was talking about, you know, oil prices negative. I'm like, guys, this is inflationary, right? You know, like everyone's so focused on the deflationary aspect of oil crashing to 37, negative 37 dollars. That means it only has one direction to go. Right? It can only go up from here, and that's going to play through directly. And you know the dynamics of the market structure, particularly in things. And, and again, this is a, you know, this is just an experience base, right? If you had looked at the dynamics of the super contango that existed in May of of uh, 2020, spot oil is negative 37. You know, one year out is somewhere in the the mid 30s or 40s, right? So you know, you're literally talking about an $80 swing in oil prices that was already built into the market at that point. Now, if you look at the forward curves in oil, they don't reflect anything that looks remotely like that. Actually, what we see is you know the concern of shortages developing on a short-term basis, but on a longer-term basis, exactly to your point, like the markets are just not that worried about it. Really interesting conversation with Mike Green uh, talking about the Super Contango event, oil going negative, uh, and the effective aspect of this being a rebound where inflation uh, necessarily must come uh, from the oil sector because of the fact that in prices only had one direction to go. Weston, you and I were talking a little bit during the break uh, about China. Obviously, uh, geopolitical stories, uh, sometimes like what's happening in Ukraine, tend to t crowd out other areas of the geopolitical spectrum. Tell us, what is going on in China right now, and why do you think it's significant? Um, well, it's, the significance is the fact that it's, it's China. But uh, what I will say is, um, so I think it was, it was either the last time I was on with you or when I did a kind of one of the, those like uh, RVDB like updates. Um, and I said that there was... You're gonna have a quiet period um, from out of out of China um, during the Olympics because China wants to and will have and uh, a uh, very headline quiet, uh, smooth running Olympics. But I also said that watch out for the closing ceremony of the Beijing 2022 Olympics because that is gonna be a catalyst for a release valve of geopolitical risk to just explode on mar like on, onto markets and onto in, into society and well here we are so um so, so when you say yeah. the closing ceremonies you're talking about effectively not a statement at the closing ceremonies but the fact that no. the olympics are ending and therefore uh, a new I, regime shift in geopolitics I, I yeah i mean that vladimir putin went to the beijing olympics opening ceremony and met with xi jinping in person just to discuss who knows what. Um, things were very quiet during that time period because they both kind of put their respective whatever on pause. I'm sure that, you know, Xi Jinping was like, look, do not mess up my Olympics by invading. Like, do, don't, don't do your invasion in the middle of this. Like, wait till afterwards. 
or or it was Putin saying, uh, okay, I'll be patient and wait till afterwards to you know whatever. Um, but you know that that's a time where everyone just kind of played nice, you know, put politics aside. Let's just do some curling and so on and so forth. And now that that's over, um, you have all this pent up stuff that's now you know coming to fore. Um, it's not it, this is not a coincidence of, of timing or anything like that. I actually had a position for this very specific catalyst. Um, so uh, this is why I, I said that you have to watch, look for sort of uh, what's not in headlines is just as important as what is. And so currently, what is in headlines obviously is just this you know this Ukraine Russia story. What is not in headlines though that is happening sort of quote unquote under the radar. Um, so China is once again uh, cracking down on their tech sector. Um, and so you saw the Hang Seng take a beating today. The Hang Seng tech sector, uh, especially, um, you know, like names like Alibaba, Meituan. That w this one was uh, Meituan is a like a like kind of like an Uber Eats sort of uh, DoorDash company. And they specifically said they didn't call out you know Meituan by name, but they said like you know uh, delivery companies uh, need to lower their prices, and so they're getting hit by double digits. Um, their their stock is. So this is still ongoing in China. The people who thought that like oh, they're kind of they're easing up on the crackdown, they're they're not. Um, and this is being snuck in right under like the radar of um, you know Vladimir Putin doing his whatever whatever it is that he's doing right now. Um, and Xi Jinping knew. <laughs> so um, so these are things that like what you have to pay attention to what's obviously in the news, but you also have to pay attention to what's not what's currently what's purposely. Um, being released, knowing that there are eyes everywhere else except for, you know, there. Very so, interesting. Weston, I know this is an entire show uh, that we could have this discussion on, but I want to get to some of our user questions because uh, we have some good ones coming in. Uh, Doug E., this comes to us from The Exchange, uh, Real Vision's internal social media network. And Doug E.'s question is, why are almost all oil stocks going down uh, while oil is up? I'm looking at BP right now off uh, almost uh, two and a quarter percent on the day, uh, 3106. ExxonMobil, XOM, uh, also off over one percent on the day trading right now uh, in the aftermarket at 76.57. Uh, Weston, what, to Doug's question, why are oil stocks going down as oil prices rise? So I, the answer is I don't know because I haven't looked at the oil stocks. If, you, if we're talking about intraday today, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure that I, when I looked at the open, though, um, energy stocks for both in, in cash, at cash open for Europe and in the U.S. were wrong from what i recall but if they're closing down today it might just be because oil had had a midday peak and had pulled back since then um and so you know if you so basically if crude falls if if the um underlying commodity falls oil stocks are going to get crushed um so this is not a sector that anybody is overweight by any means or even equal weight they are just begrudgingly getting into this uh, the energy sector because it's the only thing that's working in all of SPX, but they're they're happy to to dump out of it. So the second that you see the underlying commodity sort of dip, I'm sh I'm sure that that's just a function of that. Um, if we're talking intraday again, but I don't know. So I because I haven't looked at that specific market today, so. Weston, obviously a busy day here uh, that we're watching. We've got about 60 seconds left. Final thoughts, key takeaways. Key takeaways are to make sure that you are um, as 
familiar as possible um, and have a good grasp on cross-asset markets that you know which currencies to look at, you know which commodities to look at, and you know um, which interest rates, you know, products and, and futures and, and whatnot to look at. And the reason is because you need to know what is moving what and what is not moving what and so that you can follow markets and ascribe market movements to the proper story and so that you don't get like led astray. Yeah, insightful as always and very well said. Uh, Weston, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thanks for watching the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Since you're a Real Vision viewer, you might want to work with us at Real Vision. We are hiring. Check out realvision.com forward slash careers. That's realvision.com forward slash careers. Weston, you started as a Real Vision, Real Vision viewer, uh, and now you're a Real Vision uh, fan favorite here on the show. Half of that sentence is true. Um, <laughs> the fan favorite part is not. Um, but yeah, I did. I, I start off, actually, it's funny because I uh, start off on the exchange and I made a video about geopolitical risk, which I'm going to put out later this week, um, a, a totally different one, trading uh, geopolitical risk. But that caught Rel's attention. This is when Trump caught COVID and I made a video about how to trade that specific thing. And so, yeah, and then, I mean, it's it's been incredible. So, um Join us. <laughs> so so perfect, right? It's full circle from where you started to where we are today doing this show. Indeed it is. Yeah. So from social media producers to designers and developers, it's all at realvision.com forward slash careers. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you again tomorrow when Alfonso Pecatiello hosts Darius Dale. Tony Greer will be back from vacation next week. Thanks for watching, everyone. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.